0: Welcome to the Traveler's Blueprint. Start designing your next adventure.
1: Welcome to the Traveler's Blueprint Podcast for this month's Travel Around Table discussion, uh, where we're gonna break down the traveler uh, the travel photography blueprint with four great guests. Before we get into the episode, we're just gonna give a
0: word from our sponsors support for the travelers blueprint is brought to you by manscaped who is the best in men's below the waist grooming champions of the world manscaped offers precision engineered tools for your family jewels gotta love that (laughs) i love it (laughs) Manscaped just launched their fourth generation trimmer which is right here this is the lawnmower 4.0 and you did hear that right is the 4.0 Join over two million men including bob and myself worldwide who trust manscaped With this exclusive offer for you, which is 20% off and free worldwide shipping with the code TTB at manscaped.com.
1: So preparing for this, one term came to my mind, and that was nether regions. And it it sort of set me down this wormhole of the word. I was curious, you know, as a travel podcast, as a podcast that uh, focuses on culture and geography, I was curious to know whether or not nether regions was related to the Netherlands, the country. Is, Is it? So no, not really. So they, they oh, share the prefix, right. they they share the word nether, which refers to a region at its lowest or furthest point or part furthest part of a place. Okay. Especially with the allusion to Hell or the Underworld. Now removing that second part or, or not thinking about it right now, you kind of understand how the Netherlands came to be because they are at the they're at topographically at a low point, right near a the Rhine River basin. Mm-hmm. And Now, relating to the nether regions, it's a low point, I guess, of the body. And so there you go. You have some interesting information. All
2: right.
0: Well, Um, thank you for that insight, Bob. Yeah. You know, we've traveled together, and I've always thought I was a pretty hairy person, and Amanda can vouch for me. Uh, But in our time traveling together, I've learned that you probably are hairier than I am. And what is it like with this? I mean, I know I've loved it. I mean, it's got the light, it's got the ceramic blade. It just makes things so much easier.
1: (laughs) So so thanks for noticing my hairiness. (laughs) Absolutely. uh, I, but I've I've been a hairy guy for a long time since, you know, my, my teenage years, I, I, Grew hair pretty quickly, and since that time, I've been trying to figure out ways to keep it in check. I I shave my chest, my back, my head, my beard, like everywhere. You know, I I, I like to keep it clean. And Manscaped sent us this, and it's perfect. It's lightweight. The charge lasts forever. The light, the light is one of my favorite aspects of this tool because I've been shaving for a long time, and I've never had a light attached to the buzzer itself. So when you're shaving, and you have this spotlight shining on you. You can actually see the differences. in. Yeah. It makes it so much easier. It's such an incredible idea to add a light. And simple. Um, and then again, as a traveler, it's perfect. You can throw it in your bag. The, the thing itself charges and lasts for a while, but then the wireless charging port is also charged and you can then use along your trips, um, making it for a pretty extended period of time where you don't have to worry about finding an outlet, which as a traveler, we know it doesn't always come around as often as we like.
0: And speaking of traveling, this has a travel lock on it, so you can actually prevent it from turning on while you're traveling, especially if you're throwing your bag around into an overhead compartment, onto a bus, or a trunk. That's big, yeah. huge. Huge. Yeah.
1: Because how often I, I, I can't think of any specific items, but you, you shove some, your bag in somewhere just to get it on the plane. A toothbrush, or the bus. old and yeah, trimmers, you your, exactly, all that stuff. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. You hear it. You're like, ah, yeah, exactly. So that, that seems to uh, be avoidable now with this, this new 4.0, the one more
0: 4.0. So again, you can get 20% off and free shipping by using code TTB at manscaped.com. That is 20% off with free worldwide shipping at manscaped.com and use the code TTB. Unlock your confidence and always use the right tools for your family jewels with Manscaped. Your Your balls will will thank thank you. you.
1: (laughs) Okay, so before we get into the conversation, I want to give each guest the opportunity to introduce themselves. Nicola, I think I'm going to start with you. Uh, Tell us where you're located, how you're involved with travel
3: photography, and then throw out where
1: people can find you online.
3: Uh, I'm located in Bali, Indonesia. Uh, My uh, the the handles are on Instagram, NikolaKostić underscore prints, uh, www.nicolacostic.com website, and Nicola Kostić on YouTube uh, podcasts. So uh, that is my thing. And... uh, travel photography. I mean, like I, I kind of like did it myself. Really, I mean, no, nobody has paid me for it. I, I just kind of like took the camera on the road with me and followed my curiosity. That's that's pretty much the what I what I did, and then started selling prints and stuff like that. So uh, uh, that is that is how I got into uh, uh, travel photography. Really, curiosity.
1: Yeah, and we have a previous episode with you, Ellie. Do you remember that number? And I the, do uh, not
0: have it offhand.
1: Yeah, that that ended up being an interesting conversation. We kind of just went with it, uh, from what I recall. But um, check that out if if you're listening. And uh, very quickly for the listeners, all of these social media um, handles, websites, will be in the show notes for you to check out. Uh, Nancy, how are you?
4: I am fine, thank you. Thank you for having me.
2: You're welcome. Thank you for joining us.
4: Pleasure. So I'm located in Colorado, and I am a Denver native. And I um, really got involved with photography just kind of on a whim. I've had a career in interior design for about 25 years, always involved in the arts and took a trip to China 20 some years ago for the first trip other than Europe and uh saw the Great Wall and just got hooked. So, I have uh, immersed myself in world travel ever since, and it just kind of has evolved into more and more and become a passion and document kind of documentary type of photography, and that's how that all happened. And uh, I can be reached on my Instagram and mm-hmm. my SmugMug account online. And that's mm.
2: it. All right. Thank you. Mm-hmm. How are you?
5: Good. How are you? Thanks for having me. It's, uh, it's good to be on here.
1: Yeah. So, so where are
2: you located?
5: Um, right now, I'm in I'm in the states, but uh, I live out of Hong Kong. Uh, I've been based there for the last eight years. Uh, originally from the UK, um, pilot by trade, uh, which kind of answers the travel photography uh, yes. question a little bit. I I've been traveling all my life and. Ever since as a boy, I was, you know, so interested and passionate about seeing other cultures, essentially. So it wasn't until, I don't know, seven or eight years ago when I, I actually thought I would try to capture some of those cultures on camera. Um, and so, yeah, I've just been kind of wearing my camera ever since when going to work and doing projects in my in my spare time. So it's kind of how I got involved with the photography side of, of travel um yeah social media handles i'm on instagram matt jacob photography and uh facebook as well matt jacob photography one and uh yeah i have a website MattJacobPhotography.com,
6: so you can find me on there very straightforward i like it yeah
2: yeah (laughs) and trevor welcome back
6: thank you well i'm based in donegal ireland the north coast along the wild atlantic way Um, I lived overseas for 24 years, teaching IB Geography and uh, also the head of upper school in international schools for a while. I've always traveled from, from 18 years of age onwards, always had a camera with me, and the passion simply has grown over time into something which... Um, is integral now to my my life and my existence. I have a special connection, really, a little bit like um, Nancy, for example, for indigenous people, and in particular the African continent, although I do uh, go east to India and a few other locations. Um, I can be found on, on Facebook as Trev Cole, the same on Instagram. Um, I also have a number of websites, com. I also participate in something called photocrowd, one exposure or com, and, uh, also 500px, which I don't like so much, but never mind. <laughs> it's, it's just a life passion for me, which, which continues to be so.
2: Thank
1: you. And so, I I have a new question that I just popped in my head as I'm listening to all of your introductions. That I not you, allowed. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's so, completely well, we pre-scripted, Bob. <laughs> so, so this is this is something that I'm, I'm curious about now. Um, all of us, everybody in this in this group right now, loves travel. Uh, but for a, whatever reason, the four of you decided that you wanted to document it in a way um, beyond. I guess I don't I don't I don't know if normal traveler is the word, but just someone who just wants to travel the world. Now you have you you got this idea to document travel, and then went beyond that to start posting photography online. But are you did you decide to document travel to share it with other people or for your own purposes for some sort of personal reason that you wanted to capture it in a in a particular way? Um, so I guess is it is is your reason for documenting travel? External, like you know, you want to share, you want to share something with the world, or is it for your own personal reasons? Is that is that is that question? I yes. know, that makes sense, right? And anybody can take that. Uh, feel free, someone just jump in.
6: I can answer that. I mean, for me, documenting my travels is 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 both a personal thing, but I also, I think, as a geographer, want to make people aware, especially about. Uh, cultures they are not familiar with, and so to have a better understanding of what and who are out there. I also, I think we had this discussion the last time, I think indigenous people live so incredibly sustainably, it's nice to actually put across their message to the Western world where we live not exactly in harmony with the environment so for me it's always been important to let my my geography classes know the other side of their wealthy coin
2: mm-hmm.
6: yeah. yeah i i sorry
5: yeah, yeah go I, agree ahead, with, I agree with clever. i think there's a symbiosis there with with why certainly i started documenting it um was for myself and then realized that actually you know, once you get a little bit good, and you're able to to kind of portray a story or a message or insights into other you know other cultures, other ways of life, then it's kind of incumbent on you to 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 share that. So there, I think there's a there's a bit of both, and they kind of intertwine with that, that personal collection or or or, or kind of art story that you want to be proud of as a as a photographer, but also a message and a story to people that may not have access to, to where you are and to be able to, to translate those kind of stories um to, to the outside world.
4: I think the other thing that's very interesting is is the exposure that these indigenous photos get on Instagram, for instance, is incredible. And the comments that you get from people and you know, their their unawareness of these cultures and these kinds of um people that exist around the world and, you know, their their different rituals and I I post a lot of Ethiopia and I I had an interesting experience this week, Um, you know, I was posting a bull jumping ceremony, for instance, and I get a lot of negative comments once in a while because people don't understand the cultures. Mm -hmm. And I think it's very nice to expose things. Um, I was having a conversation with my guide about this and, you know, they do the, the whipping of the women is part of the ritual for the bull jumping. And it's brutal in in probably almost every country other than Ethiopia because it's just part of what they do. And my guide explained it in a way that was even something that I really hadn't thought of. But he said, we we can't give gifts. The women can't express themselves in any other way than to give something of themselves. So they literally give their blood off their back. And it was a very interesting explanation. Not Not that it's Something that I would embrace, but I understood it, and I think it gives people outside of um you know that world an opportunity to see how other people operate in different cultures and document those kinds of things, just so people have knowledge of what what other traditions and and cultures do it's not an it's not necessarily a negative abuse thing it's just that's what they do, and that's okay for them. But I, I try to explain those things and document that so people understand those things. Even though you guys probably find that too, that there are people that comment, you know, how dare you post this and you know, why why would you want to put that out there? But that's who they are. I don't judge that.
5: Right. <laughs> did you get any negative Nancy, do you get any negative comments like uh you're using these people to showcase your art and, and sell images kind oh, of yeah. thing? Yeah,
0: yeah, all the time. What is your response to that?
4: I don't. I mean, this is a passion of mine. I'm not, I don't run a business selling art. You know, I do sell pieces here and there, but I send, um, information along with it. And I, you know, when we go there, I donate clothing and, and all sorts of things, medical supplies. I, I come bearing gifts for them. It's, it's, Deeper than what most people understand, mm-hmm. so you explain it in a nice way, and some people are okay with it, and the other ones you can walk yes.
0: <laughs> I think that's really important because yeah. there there are definitely people that are not professional photographers that travel to uh, third world countries and get photos with children that are either impoverished or you know part of the community, and they're just going there for that photo, and people do get really upset with that because it's like the, the white savior going to get these photos for their own personal gain and not actually contributing to the culture. I
6: think, I think that's why it's really important whenever you put up a photograph or a series of photographs or tell a story that you truly put some information on there to clarify exactly what these tra- traditions and rituals entail. I was in Ethiopia a few weeks ago and I went to a ceremony I'd never seen before. It was called the Dimi Ceremony from the Dasnach tribe. And it's to celebrate the young girls in the tribe, it really happens once a year, uh, being um, circumcised. Now, it's something none of us can really relate to and, and and agree with, but it is an integral part of their culture as it stands and who am I to to pass opinion on something that has been there for millennia? Yes, we can change that through education over time, but I just wanted to put across the view that it's important that others understand that this is an integral part of their tribal culture and not ours. Mm-hmm yeah
1: I mean it's it's some it's simply put uh you know don't shoot the messenger it's not like you are uh yeah, doing yeah. anything other anything other than existing uh and, and documenting a culture for what it is you don't take part in or uh you know change anything by being there um and people for whatever reason don't see that like it's context right context is important and understanding uh,
5: yeah, yeah people don't often understand the work and the relationships that go behind those photos it's not like we turn up and just start snapping away you know with with strangers a lot of you know i'm sure i can speak for for the other three but a lot of the the photos we get of of indigenous people let's say there's months if not longer of relationship building with with these people with visiting revisiting revisiting and getting to know them and if it's a if it's a first-time project then it's days and weeks of not even picking up a camera and just immersing yourself in, in that experience so that you know, you kind of have their permission to, to document them with a the camera so that's something that, that a lot of people don't understand as well
0: I imagine part of that is that immersion with the the tribes with the cultures is you get to know them and then you understand well like you said Matt you get their permission but then you understand what is valuable to photographs so you have the story and you have the context and you know what you're looking for in that photograph
5: yeah, and if it's a and if it's a portrait, which most of us do, then that should come across in in the photo as well. You know, so so you're kind of making a better photograph anyway uh, by having that kind of connection. But yeah, you're exactly right. I don't
4: know. It's not like just hotels there. I mean, when when you go yeah. visit, you stay with them and you wake up with them and you go to sleep with them and. It's, you know, you become a part of their world for a short time. And that's, that's something else that people don't understand necessarily that, you know, it is a relationship and it's a respect for these people. You're on their territory. It's an honor to be there. And, you know, I think you had asked one of the questions was, you know, do you say something about the the photo that you post or do you leave it to the imagination? I think that really plays into it, giving people more of an understanding of, the relationship involved versus just going and snapping, getting back into the car and driving away. It's not like that at all. And I think this is a different level of travel. And I don't know that a lot of people understand that this is, um, you know, it's not like going to Europe and and visiting and sightseeing. This is, this is relationship building and um, respecting the culture and the people and doing it on their schedule and their time and, and, you know, exposing those things to the world so other people know about it. But, um, yeah, it's it's an honor to be there. And I think that the people that, that do travel there have to have to understand that because I think there have been people there that aren't necessarily on that same page. And it ruins it for the rest of us when they, they snap and shoot and get back in their van and we drive off. Right,
6: that's some, one of the sure downfalls of... Everybody could be there a lot photographer of it, now i sorry, sorry about that I it, think
2: okay.
3: a lot of it has to do a lot of it has to do really like you know I think that everybody everybody here uh you know wanna unite and show and and really like the more you travel, the less you judge really, and that harsh judgment really comes from 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 the place of of not being there and not knowing and being fed with is it media or this or that I mean being fed with this nonsense of, of, uh, of what is it like there? And so, so people get this kind of like idea in their head, but they really don't know what is it like being on the ground i mean like you're playing with children you're just making these connections and they definitely enrich all of us i mean it's just it's it's incredible what uh, i mean the photography of other three photographers here is is just incredible so you know that, that you know like there's no judgment there's no it just uh, it's it's a certain type of freedom that uh, in 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 our own mind that happens uh, during this travels really so so uh, i think it's more about you know educating people than anything else.
6: Mm -hmm. Yeah, I'm trying to... Go for it. Uh, Mm -hmm. I think it's really important, actually, to also note that, you know, I first went, for example, to the OMO in the year 2000, which, in, in terms of travels, quite a long time ago to have gone to the OMO, but it's changed so much And I think it's really important that all the photographers here and and many others that take it seriously and take it uh, sensitively are actually uh, recording something for posterity, because there is no question in my mind that these ethnic minorities, indigenous people, are going to be subject to change and that change is already well underway. And it's, so it's very important for all of us to document how it is now, because in 20 years' time, it will sadly, um, in many cases, be very different.
4: It's interesting, Trevor, that you mentioned this. And I've had this conversation with Nicola when we had our interview. My brother was there 42 years ago, and he was a adventure world traveler and they did a river raft trip down the Omo and it was very raw and rare probably the first white people that many of the tribes had ever seen and I remember he would talk about it when I was younger and listen to the stories and I always felt like it was it was in the back of my mind and fast forward to you know five years ago and I saw this on Instagram I thought who are these people and I realized they were all from the Omo and you know, I decided to put a trip together and my brother and his wife and my husband and I, we all went together. And it was pretty interesting because my brother said, based on what he remembered from 40 years ago, in general, almost nothing had changed. And I know it's been more westernized because it's, you know, photographers are there and those kinds of things. But the basics of their lifestyle and, you know, they don't really use their Cell phones, there's a few people there with phones, but they're really not modern like we are. They had this simple life and it's it's just they have sustained that for the most part. But now with the dams coming in and all of those kinds of things, their world's going to change for sure. So yeah. I mean you have more experience because 'cause you've been there, you know, for lengths of time, but um I thought that was an interesting comment when he said it's, it's pretty remarkable that in 40 years this is virtually the same place. That,
6: that, that is really interesting. But, you mean, know, I, I have there, – there, there are several things that are instigating change. Road networks, communication networks, mm-hmm. missionaries, um, tourism, the, the, the big agribusiness enterprises from, from India and China – um government deliberate acculturation because they see the people as being um primitive if you like. Um, but I I I do think that there is quite a lot of change and, and some of that change to me I, I detest and that's the, the the sort of spread of the the Chinese fake football shirt. It really really makes me so angry. Um, but that's really interesting. You should say forty years ago because I know one of the very first people to have rafted the Omo forty plus years ago. I know two of them. Of the
4: yeah, I can't remember the guy's name. If you said it, I would recognize it. Uh, but there was a guy. Uh, well,
6: there's there's Pasquale to- who's uh, mm-hmm. he, he was the very first to raft the Nile. And the Amu, and a guy called Carlo Iori, who to this day still lives in Ethiopia, and he is the father of one of my uh, ex students there. So I have, mm. you know, his stories are amazing. Yeah, I was just thinking. Oh, right yeah. I, I mean, my. <laughs> Connect with him. Oh, yeah, post those guys. Post Give me some mm.
2: contact
1: <laughs> information. <laughs> uh, but, so, so sorry, sorry to to jump in there. Um, so something I was thinking about as you guys were all speaking, one, how beautifully deep your travel experiences are compared to the average traveler uh, that I don't think people um, realize you get as a travel photographer, that you get these really uh, personal experiences. I mean, we talked about like these travel trends, like slow travel, where you take your time and you really experience a culture. But to build relationships like you do, seems pretty unique in the travel world. Uh, we talk about travel all the time and I don't think we really have met anybody else that takes the time to to understand a culture and a people like, like the four of you do. Um, and so I think part of this conversation today, one of the goals is to build a blueprint um, that allows aspiring photographers or someone who is already doing it, but just wants more information to maybe be, like act as a guide for them. Um, and so when you land in these locations that, that don't get a lot of people like the four of you, um, how do you begin building a relationship with a culture so far to your own? Like, what's that first step like? And how do you, how do you progressively get to a point where these people are comfortable, um, allowing you to sleep with them, um, in their homes and, and photograph intimate, uh, Experiences and things like that. Right? And that has to be quite a process.
2: <laughs> all right. <laughs> oh, yeah. is, that, is, that, is that another that's loaded one? A, I, no, that's a sign of a good question. Oh, no, you go. Uh, okay.
3: <laughs> Nicola? Oh, uh, um. Well, here's the thing. Uh, I, 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 unlike uh, I guess, three uh, other photographers, don't really build these massive relationships. Uh, I have uh, connections with people and stuff like that. I don't plan. Uh, I don't go into this. Ah. Inter- I, I, I just let the life take takes me places, and then the the relationships are built like. In life, I mean, like uh, you, you meet somebody and you speak to them for, you know, like uh, for the rest of your life, or go like I really do not like this guy. <laughs> uh, so, so, so for me, I mean, I, 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 uh, I kind of realized uh, fairly recently that I was kind of photographing symbols, and I photographed something that somebody else photographed, but I photographed in my way. So and, and there is that, I, I guess, ability or whatever you want to call it. Uh, but, uh, but I didn't really, uh, spend incredible amount of time and difficulties and all that stuff. I mean, I did spend like, a, I don't know, like an afternoon with Buddhist monks playing football and then photograph them and it, it shows. But, uh, but, uh, I think that, uh, I'm just coming in to that thing of like what would happen really if I would take three months, go somewhere and, uh, and day after day kind of spend with them and all that stuff. I'm just, you know, I'm jumping around everywhere. So for me, it just <laughs> it doesn't work, uh, and, and, you know, up until now. So I was really kind of like uh, uh, following life in, in this kind of way. I, I just kind of like uh, uh, have a very quick chat or whatever. Because I mean, most of the places that that I visited, I don't speak the language. So there's very few things that you can do with, you know, a smile gestures, and this and that. Yeah. And you're moving on, you know. But... Uh, but uh, I'm curious about uh, uh, what would happen if I really, really took the time. You know, like what would happen if I spend a year somewhere, which I'm planning to do. So uh, that that is that is. I mean, I, I approach stuff very, very quickly, and and I, and I just move on. I mean, that that's kind of like my style.
5: Yeah, I'm, I'm similar. Uh, certainly not to the extent of Trevor and Nancy with with the the amount of time I spend with them. Just because, you know, I have a. I have a Limited amount of time off from from my job, so I I I I spend a lot of time planning a project. I have an idea of where I want to go and and what I want to to experience before I even think about photography. So I'll reach out to to either connections of connections I know in the area, or I'll I'll try and hire a fixer or someone who can kind of at least be that middle person between myself and. The local population and then really that kind of ice has already been broken so by the time i turn up there they should or at least someone in that area should have an idea of who i am and what i'm doing and then like nicola said it's really down to just you know if i'm on a week's project i'll spend the first two or three days just not even picking up a camera but i'll just getting to know them just like you do with any other strangers that you you meet in life. Um, So I try not to impose myself too much. I'll observe and observe and observe. And through that method of observation, I'll be thinking, okay, these are the kind of photos I would like to try and capture, but I'll be, you know, through that observation, I'll just be getting to know, getting to know the people just like you would anyone else. And then, you know towards the end of that project i'll start i'll I'll start kind of taking photos by which point they are hopefully uh on my wavelength and able to to be comfortable and and relate to me and um and, and not take it too seriously i guess
3: just, no, 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 no. The, just, just a second, I, uh, Trevor. I'll let you speak. I think that the good, the, the perception of, of this unity and uh, just the, the, the feelings and all that, good light and a good, good photographer. I mean, like that always trumps this relationship. Uh, it just, I mean, it just kind of does. <laughs> because I mean, if you're if you're good, I mean, like I don't care. Like people take portraits in 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 one two, fiftieth of a second. So we're I mean, like you know, this this relationship is really for for us. Uh, it's not for for the public. I mean, at least in my in my view. So sorry about that. Uh, go ahead, Trevor.
6: <laughs> no, 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 no. That, that that's fine. I mean, uh, for me, and I'm sure it's the same uh, for Nancy. Yes, I go back to the same villages and often see the same people. But for me, it is using a local agency, local guides. Um, I I use one guide in in particular, and, and she's amazing. And she makes the connections with those that speak the local languages, although she speaks three of the tribal languages absolutely fluently. And that is my, if you like, way in. And because she has such an amazing relationship with the, the tribal groups, and takes me to places that are maybe a little bit off off the beaten track, um, I think it's that 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 gives me, if you like, the passport getting those shots in the good light and capturing that inimitable moment and uh, walking away um, a lot happier because that bond between myself, guide, and uh, the, the indigenous person then becomes, you know, just a, a line of uh, fluidity, you know, where, where everything blends and everything is possible i uh, it's the only way to get the respect of the local indigenous people, the tribes, is to take someone along with you who truly knows them.
4: I agree 100% with that. And um, I I think that many of these guides have grown up there, so they, they have relationships predetermined. I also feel like, and I don't know about what, what you've seen, um, with your travels, Trevor, but I think Ethiopia is a unique situation. Um, I, have you, you've done Mongolia? You've done like the Duca people? I,
6: I, I've i been to Mount Mongolia, but not to photograph. I, I, I traveled through on the Trans-Siberian Railway. <laughs>
4: <laughs> I, I, you know, I've done other tribes, if you will, like that, and, and not everybody is, as as um, open to this situation, like we have in Ethiopia, where they let you come into the village and live there, it's a different it's a different experience than I've ever had visiting really remote tribes cultures. Other than that, um, I think that it's really a unique experience, and really? um, I do yeah. feel.
5: It. Yeah, I was going to say exactly the same. I think it depends a lot on where you go and what type of people mm-hmm. you're trying to to capture because some will require a lot of, a lot of ice breaking, a lot of relationship building just to get in there and, and to have them open up. Um, and other places like the U S for example, you can go in a lot of places and, and people will be willing and open and, and you, it, that connection is in almost immediate. Um, so, you know, it, it depends completely
6: where you're going and, and what type of people you're spending time with. Nancy, I I I'll add one little thing. Um, some of that's very similar to Ethiopia, although its tourism is yet in its infancy. Is is South Sudan? It is absolutely incredible. They don't ask for money, or very rarely, you bring food. And again, it's using a local guide that knows, and that tourism is still in its its infancy. The trouble is, it's remote. You have to camp, and uh, the conditions are quite tough. But the photographs, the photographs just speak for themselves. It's, it's it's an incredible place. Absolutely. But of course, culturally, it's just over the border from the Omo. So a lot of the a lot of the tribal groups. The the Nyangatom are exactly the same as the Tapasa, The uh, Kachipo are exactly the same as the Suri and the Mercy. Um, the Dasanach Or I, I can't remember all of the connections, but they're very, very similar.
4: Yeah, I love your, uh, your work from the Sudan is just outstanding. I, I, all of it is, but that's one of my favorites for sure. Oh, yeah. thanks.
0: So my a, favorite. Yeah, go ahead.
6: <laughs> I mean, South Sudan. Oh, my God, we're going. Give me that glass of wine now. Yeah. Oh, my
3: God. It's, uh, that, it's incredible. That, that Sudan thing is like... And also, I mean, in Africa, I mean, I, I was talking to Trevor. You cannot really go without a guide. I mean, every mm-hmm. single place that, that I was in, I mean, the guy was kind of like the, and I, I had guide once and never again. Uh, but in Africa, you, you just cannot go without a guide. I mean, it's just kind of like it cannot be done. And, and I, I'm, I'm dying you to Survive it. <laughs> yeah, <I> mean, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Good luck. You know, I had some. I had some weirdos who who were camping in front of uh, I don't know some villages and all that for like two weeks to get in, invited into a, in, into a village. Not photographers, just the weirdos. <laughs> and it was amazing. But I mean, two weeks. You know, like I mean, you know, like I'm going to be a lion food now. So uh, yeah. Um,
5: I think you know, that's very... the travel side, isn't it, Nicola? I mean, Elliot, Bob, <laughs> you, you might be able to touch on this, but. Doesn't that make the travel side of it more rewarding, oh, more satisfying, more interesting if you're going to more I guess difficult places or places yes. that are that, that require extra help that you can't just oh, God. maybe it's in, It's
3: incredible. I mean it's yeah. incredible. I mean I'm I'm looking forward to it.
1: Yeah, let's let's linger here on difficulties. <laughs> uh so what are what are some of the difficulties that each of you have faced uh and maybe, yeah
0: yeah yeah what the camera equipment (laughs) well yeah i mean it's interesting
1: because you you all travel with this incredibly expensive equipment um that has to work uh and if and if it doesn't i mean you could be you could be in in a serious predicament and so what are some of the let's say travel or um, i'm sorry photography specific issues that you face while traveling and maybe offer some solutions for those so they don't run into the same issues.
6: <laughs> I, I yeah, go for example, I, I take two cameras. Um, and it really is, I mean, I don't want to take two cameras. It, it's for a couple of reasons. I don't want to change lenses in, in dusty situations, but also just in case there is camera failure of some sort, it would be incredibly frustrating not to be able to shoot. So I take, obviously, I, I'm i an Econ user or an Icon user. And uh, basically, um, have it, having two bodies means I have an insurance policy with me.
0: Mm-hmm. I, I guess I have a question because it seems like... These areas are extremely rural and usually off the grid. Are you bringing portable chargers for the camera batteries? it have to be solar, right? Yes. Okay.
4: Well, car chargers. I have a great car charger with, it has outlets and it has USB ports. And if you're driving for eight hours in between villages, you can charge computers, everything, phones, camera batteries, um, all of it in you know that amount of time, but yeah, half of it is planning. You really have to be very organized. My suitcase is still is still packed from the trip that I didn't <laughs> take because I thought I don't want to go through that again and repack all that stuff.'ve yeah, got right. <laughs> all your electronic and everything, and it's just a lot of a lot of equipment to you know back up and back up and back up in case something does fail.
0: Mm -hmm. well I guess with that it seems like there's always a chance that SD cards and memory devices have gotten smaller and smaller and smaller and now they're like the size of your thumbnail Uh, have you ever lost a memory device and how many copies of photos do you have just to back up
6: I I think um, I (laughs) mean just to to, to answer Nancy's thing I keep keep my bag permanently packed (laughs)
4: <laughs> but, oh, I feel better I now, just, thank you
6: <laughs> no no no, but i mean uh, the s d card being the, the nikons these days come with a double card slot um so one card is always backing up the other, so would, you'd be really, really unlucky for one card uh for for both cards to fail yeah so so that's that's my way around that.
5: I'll usually um, with that I'll I'll get a bit paranoid I mean how many backups do you want to do all the time I'll carry external hard drives and then I'll usually transfer after you know probably a morning uh, and then an evening probably twice a day I'll transfer the images onto my laptop and then I'll back up those images onto external hard drives so essentially I've got three copies at, at any one time but fortunately as of yet I haven't had any SD card issues fortunately
3: yeah.
0: And you yeah issues I, have, with- I have
3: absolute I have absolute faith in my equipment and uh, here's the list of the things that I lost um, <laughs> and, no, I mean it's like yeah I mean you back up I mean that's that's pretty much you you got to do that
0: and have you have ever had any issues with uh, I guess TSA or flying or any other situations where you know camera I, equipment or storage devices have uh, been confiscated
3: I never had that issue, and uh, the only issue that I had is that when, when I don't know probably ten to twelve thousand dollars of equipment was stolen. That is the only issue that I had in Bali. So, wow. <laughs> uh, yeah, it was it was a beautiful day. It was <laughs> just uh, it was just one of those. I things.
4: had a I had an interesting. Oh, sorry. No, no, go ahead. I had a, I had an almost interesting situation in in Cairo. And I always do major research before I travel anywhere to what can I expect, what are things that will happen, fraudulent, you know, experiences, whatever. And um I got to the airport and they did pull my bag aside and put me in a room, separated me from everybody. And they started, you know, unzipping my camera bag and you can't have a camera here. I said, oh, yes. I, I mean, this is like my third child. You, You cannot take my camera. And I just argued with the guy and he figured that he picked the wrong person and finally gave me the camera back. But, you know, I thought I'm going to end up in a room negotiating to get my own camera equipment back. So sometimes it's not even loss. It's just corruption and they want your equipment. Mm-hmm. So you have to hold your ground.
3: Mm-hmm. Also, don't go and read the TripAdvisor or anything. I had a thing in Burma when, when it was like this list of, I, I went to this TripAdvisor wherever whatever I, I was reading and they're like, well, if you have uh, a camera and this and this and you look like a news news reporter, you will be arrested. So I'm looking at my bag like... I do have all of these things. <laughs> you're going to get a guide, you know, like, and somebody will follow you on the, on the air, airport and you're just getting into this weird thing and nothing happened. I mean, it was just kind of like, not, like literally nothing happened. It was like the best trip of my life. So don't read too much uh, about anything. Like any place has a bad review. So it's uh, <laughs> just like...
6: however, I'm Ethiopia and this is something, Nancy, you need to be aware of. Um. They are taking people with cameras aside at the moment because of the situation in the north yeah. of the country.
2: Yeah.
6: And I almost got myself into a situation uh, at, at the airport, at Bali Airport, where they said, this is a professional camera, and I mm-hmm. lied and said, no, it isn't. Um, I'm just here to take. So if it's a professional camera, you will have to pay a, a huge tax And they were trying it on, but now my agency has said this is becoming so commonplace that Mm -hmm. you need to give them in advance a list of all your gear, and they can sort that out for you. Um, But it is something... South Sudan does this as well. You're not allowed in unless every lens, everybody is now listed because they are really wary of you being a potential journalist. Mm-hmm. Yep. Interesting.
4: You know, like I have a couple of friends that have just come back from there and they were saying the same thing. My guide did say that in, if you're going to Havar or you're going uh, elsewhere besides the Omo, it could be a problem, but he said the Omo was okay, but this is good advice to know because um, I know more people going and I'm going to ultimately be going back in a month or two as well. So, good to know that in advance it's always good to be prepared for um,
2: yeah yeah.
4: Yeah. so uh, I
1: know as a travel photographer the goal I mean and I I shouldn't say I know I think that uh, one of the goals of a travel photographer is to sort of blend in uh, with the the place and the people Um, but have any of you experienced and it sounds like you may where having a camera in your hand actually puts a target on your back and draws more attention to you being there Oh, all the time okay all the time yeah that well, you have I mean, a target or that you you blend in
5: again it depends on what on where you are uh, i mean if i'm if i've if i'm doing a specific project and you know I've, I've traveled there deliberately to go and take photos and it's planned and it's researched and maybe there's a fixer involved and you know it's kind of expected and that's a, a much easier, even though you you'll probably be a celebrity in the local village or the local environment, which is great. That helps with with everything. But if it's just kind of not contrived and and you're out there just shooting what you can shoot, then um, even, I think even in today's society where everyone has a camera in their hand, it, it, you know it, it's easy to have a target in the back, especially. I try and keep my my cameras as as small, or at least my lenses as small as I can, so I'm a little bit uh, inconspicuous. But uh, when when you're trying to get close, I mean, I don't use telephoto lenses really, so I, I have to get quite close unless I'm shooting more of a, a scenic photo. So you know, a, mo- a lot of the time, I'll just have to just say to that person, "Hey, look, can I can I take your photo?" Um, but a lot of the time, certainly in Asia and certainly in China and certainly where I live in Hong Kong, people don't want their photo taken. And for a, for a guy who does portrait photography, that's really difficult um, unless, like I said, it's it's kind of set up a bit. So going out there and, and shooting people, not photographing people, I shouldn't say shooting people, that's weird. <laughs> uh, photographing people um, in China, let's say, or in Hong Kong, I target definitely on my back because... Some of it's cultural. Some of it, they 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 believe that it's bad luck if they have the photo taken, or whatever it is. There are reasons that you may not know, or they just don't want it, and they feel really uncomfortable. Certainly, the elder generation. So um, you do have to know that you have to respect that, but you know, in a public environment, you kind of do want to get a photo, and you feel like it's your right to. So um, yeah, to answer your question, I think it depends kind of where you go and what you do, but. Uh, a lot of the time, more often than not, I have a to on my back if,
2: if people see I've got a
5: camera in my hand.
4: Also, sometimes it's your demeanor. Um, you know, if you approach people and in, you don't try to sneak photos or you're just more respectful of them in general, I think you have a better chance when you try to take photos of people who don't want to be photographed and you keep trying and they don't want to be photographed. You, you just have to back off and, and accept that's not happening.
5: Yeah, to know um, when to call it quits, right?
4: Yeah, for sure. Yeah.
6: Have you have you been uh, have you been to Harar yet, Nancy? Ever?
4: Not yet. I'm okay. I'm going on that next trip. Yeah. It,
6: it, it's fantastic, but it's really, really difficult to take photographs. But you, it, if mm. you persist and you've got a good sense of humor and you chat to them. Uh, And as a woman, I I sometimes think you actually have a better chance in many cases uh, than a guy. Children are fine, men are fine, but photographing women, young women, really, really challenging. I went to Somaliland a few years ago, and that's one place um, I felt... Very conspicuous with a camera in my hand because once again, they were thinking, uh, journalists. Uh, so, so it was really quite challenging. But Ethiopia, uh, apart from maybe in Addis where, where, where they can be a bit difficult, um, it, it it's generally fine.
0: Well, I want to shift gears a little bit because I've been curious about this, especially with having a panel of four photographers and the advent of the drone in the last decade as playing a huge role in photography. Um, Have any of you used a drone for photography? I know most of your photographs are portraits and of cultures. And again, drone photography is primarily aerial and you don't get as intimate. But what are your thoughts on using drones in photography and using it to photograph cultures? It's an amazing
3: tool, but it should be, I mean, in the beginning, it was kind of interesting and novelty, but now it's just annoying. I mean, like people are fly, flying drones over the beaches and all of that. And you're hearing like five drones and it's kind of almost like a battle in the sky. <laughs> and if one of these things drops, I mean you're dead. Yeah, uh, so I, I mean like I was really kind of I I used a lot of drones in the videos but uh but really kind of not uh you know like when you go to the beach or 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 somewhere where it's just a mass population of people uh I mean just I don't know I would I would put people in prison really uh for using drones without permissions and all these things yeah. uh Heavily populated places should be really, really monitored uh, because I mean it's just uh, it, it's dangerous because they do they do fall from the sky. I mm-hmm. mean for no reason. That just yeah they can kill. Uh, mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean definitely from you know hundred yeah. years or so. Uh, it just uh, it's crazy. I mean Bali is, is, it was in, in, insane. There is a beach with thousands of people and you see seventeen drones flying. And the guy wow. just kind of bought it. and was like, "I don't know how this really operates." Uh, I was like, "Jesus Christ!" Man. <laughs> so, so yeah, that's that's my opinion. It's amazing tool, absolutely amazing tool, but I think that uh, that uh, really severe uh, restrictions because of the safety should be in place. Sure.
1: I had I had my drone fall out of the sky in Hawaii about uh, like yeah. four years ago, um, and it almost hit. It almost landed on this guy's head, and I, I was watching it, He was. we were in um, uh, like, wow. volcano national park, and as I watched it come down, I, I was looking at it on the screen, my screen went like black or blank, and, and, and it turned off, and then I looked up and I saw it, and I got. I stuck my hand out, and it, it slammed into my hand, and it would have hit this guy, wow. um, if I didn't do that. So and, Bob, uh,
0: you're part of the issue.
2: <laughs>
1: you know, it was that was a wake up call for me. Uh, I, you know, I was I had a brand new drone and I was in Hawaii, so I was just flying it around and loving life. And at least in the U.S.,
0: yeah. that was right on the edge of the, or I guess the beginning of the registration. Yeah.
1: It was before that. Yeah. So yeah. yeah, I mean, yeah, I didn't need to get it registered or anything. I mean, I f- I flew right in. No one said a word to me
3: about the drone or anything. And it was I mean, a small We have one. a we have a pilot among us, so I think that, that, that That's
2: that,
0: what that, I yeah, 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 let's yeah, it, it's, yeah,
5: it's, yeah. I have a love-hate relationship. I have a I have a drone and I I love using it um under very controlled. I've had a few scares with the drone as well, and they really did scare me. They really shook me up and, you know, I changed my behavior. And, you know, I think, like Nicola was saying, the amount of people out there who (laughs) probably don't know how to fly it that well, um, uh, you know, it can be dangerous. And it's only going to get worse unless regulations uh, become a little bit stricter. You go to some countries and you're not even allowed to take the drone in. Uganda, I was there last year, wasn't allowed to take it in. That's just poor research on, on my side. So there are some... But Cuba is another one you get put in prison. I think if you use a drone in Cuba, so I mean, as a pilot, like I I hate it because you know they can hit aircraft, and you know they're just they're just dangerous in in the wrong hands. But from a photography aspect, which I think your question was more about, Elliot,
2: Mm -hmm.
5: you know, it's landscape photography, and and the the, there really is some amazing amazing aerial photography out there that is just. Beautiful and what they can do with with that those cameras on the on the drones these days and now you have FPV drones you know creating yes. some really cool video stuff. Certainly. So I mean, I, I totally agree with Nicola. Like it's it, they're wonderful tools and you know it's that battle between technology and and uh, I guess safety and and art in essence. So it's it's a difficult thing to to handle. I just I I guess I wish it wasn't in the hands of Anyone who wanted one, including children. I have friends who, for Christmas, they've got, um, <laughs> young boys. I think they're, they're nine and 11. And yep. the 11 year old got a Mavic 2 Pro for Christmas. So, well. Wow. I, 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 yeah, that's, I mean, that's yeah, wow thing. in terms of the the, the present, but wow yeah. also, like, well, how is an 11 year old boy going to understand the concept of the safety and how to fly it and the technology behind it? So, yeah, it's, um, yeah, it's difficult.
0: Well, I'm going to expand this question because the, as a pilot, Matt, I think some of the really interesting stories that can be told with aerial photography are inequity, and I think there's some there's a article somewhere that I saw maybe in the last two years or so that shows the inequity disparity in India and how the juxtaposition of the you know, rich areas of India right next to these slums. And it's just separated by a wall or a street. And you can't, there is, I mean, you can walk down that street and see it, but you can't see the scale of it unless you have aerial imagery or drone photography. It's so
5: yeah. Um, right? Yeah. I mean, the, the, the photography opportunities and creativity you can you can have with these drones especially now as the sensors and the cameras on these drones are only going to get better and better to where we are at now with handheld cameras mm-hmm. dslr's and, and mirrorless it's, it's going to be even more encapsulating but um you know it's not like walking along the street with a with handheld camera is it it's it's a completely different uh, way of operating photography and there is safety involved and and is that kind of imagery absolutely crucial at the cost of maybe killing someone or 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 really damaging someone's health so i think yeah
6: it's it's difficult i i would like to have a drone but (laughs) i would only really use it in very i don't know very unique locations i think i think in, in the tribal context it could be fantastic looking down at the, the, the pattern of huts or or in somewhere like the Danical Desert in Ethiopia, uh, photographing the camels on their circular route to get salt. Um, but Ethiopia, unless you have a very special permit, doesn't allow you to take in a, a drone. It's the same in South Sudan. Uh, you, you, you need a special permit. But I think anyone who has a drone should have some sort of license mm-hmm. Simple, that?
0: and I think that's the way it is in the US now at least for a certain drone class I think there are the recreational drones that you're i mean you supposed to register you you don't have to to fly it but you can get in trouble if you don't and there are weight limits height limits all that kind but of thing isn't stuff.
5: it more of a rubber stamping exercise isn't it just apply and you get you get the certificate a few days later you don't actually have to go through theoretical or practical testing,
0: right? So to no, get there that, is now. For, for at least yeah. larger drones, yeah, you have to take a, a drone certification course. It's basically a, a pilot's license light. Cool. Yeah.
5: Even for like a Mavic? You know,
0: the, uh, I don't know if it's for more of the recreational ones, but it's definitely for... I, I, Bob and I work in the engineering field and we work with surveyors a lot that have those octo... Like the eight wing drone uh, lidar to survey, and those you have to have like yeah. a full license to operate, as you should. Yep.
2: Yeah. Interesting, Elliot. You ready for your
1: who rock question? <laughs> you wrote this, right? You wrote this question. Well, so. I think
2: <laughs>
0: I think this is because uh, I've been thinking about this through our, through our conversation, and it's. I guess the we've kind of been jumping around the conversation and not targeting it to each of you individually, but like Nancy, Nicola, Matt, and Trevor, your goals with photography, you obviously have goals with it. And I guess what specifically are those goals when photographing cultures? And Nancy, we'll start with you. What is what are you trying to portray to people that see your photographs? And what do you want them what shift in perception do you want them to have
4: um i i do this as a passion i don't do this as a business and i feel like it's um it's an opportunity for me to expose other people who don't have the opportunity to cultures around the world and um, have an appreciation and an education you know like what we talked about earlier they they see something and they automatically make an, a, an assumption that this is what this is abusive. If the women are being whipped on the back, it's not, it's a cultural thing and, and people need to be more open-minded and accept things. And I, I feel like if I can portray some of this through a documentary style photography, then, you know, that's kind of my goal. I, it's just a passion of mine. I just love it more than anything. So right. I, I don't have any agendas with it. I just really enjoy Meeting the people, going to the places, and being able to share this with other people who have the same passions—that's—that's um, pretty okay. much in a nutshell.
3: All right, Nicola. My
4: my my thing. Yeah, I-
3: kind of said goodbye to my message because I was in front of too many people uh, who, who gave m- way more meaning to, to, to some of the images that, that I've taken. So, so, so uh, for me, it's uh, one part is uh, the, the most intense living that, that you can have uh, uh, when you're going around and, and just discovering things, and then the message of it will be kind of uh, is in is in the making, really. I mean, I w- we will see what what the message is by the end of, uh, of my existence, I guess. You know, so so mm-hmm. I'm not too uh, uh, too too worried about uh, having a specific message. Uh, you know, that that's, that that's just how I operate uh, at the moment. Maybe and,
0: I, and I guess to all four of you. I guess the question that Bob posed earlier in the conversation was that photography is a little bit for yourselves and also for others. Uh-huh.
3: yeah i mean definitely There, there's two parts of that thing i mean mm-hmm. like i said for for you know myself i mean in really intense living and from from there there's some emotions and all these things that i'm not trying to you know put in some some sort of a box you know like obviously the 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 the, the, the let's say education you know like uh, for people who cannot go there and and all that stuff is 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 all there and i've been you know like in situations where people are contact me talking about these places, how to do it and all that stuff. So there's also help, but, uh, but uh, I'm not too concerned about, uh, a message. I mean, it's a beautiful world. I mean, that, that, that should be the message of it. Okay.
0: Matt.
5: Uh, wise words. Um, I, I'm not a photojournalist. So, um, you know, I don't think that the four of us are, I think some, some maybe more documentary than, than, than others, but, um, you know, I I, I want my photographs to look nice. There's definitely a selfish aspect there. I I want to have a collection of photographs that I'm proud of that I can say I've 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 done myself, right? But the whole point of the the subjects that I choose and the places that I go, um, I guess is to make people think. I I, I don't think there's any real a bit like Nicholas. There's no real specific message I always want to portray or. There's definitely a, a kind of inspiration to be educated. I think, uh, I think that's kind of incumbent on us as travel photographers to, to showcase the world. Um, and in that way, educate people as to what else is out there. Um, but yeah, I just, I just hope that, it, you know, my photographs can just uh, make people think, you know, what is that of? Where is it? What it's about? What are those people doing?
6: How do they live? Et Etc. et cetera.
0: All right. Well, Trevor.
6: Well, I think, I think. I mean, first of all, I want to produce what I think might be a wonderful photograph and, and hopefully might inspire others to do the same. But I, I run little photo tours, I mean, really, really small ones in the sense that there are four or five, six people maximum. And I try to put across to them the whole idea of sustainable photography amongst people's who live in a sustainable way. And I I guess the teacher in me will never die. I want to project some sort of um, educational message to enable people out there to understand a little bit more about those cultures. And I feel that as a geographer, photographer, I I can uh, do that with my photography as long as there's a message with it. I'm, I'm also not a photojournalist, but I love that documentary style of photography. And I, I love getting a few articles published now and again, which put across that message that there are other people out there on this planet living in completely different ways, but they're part of the human race. And they deserve our utmost respect. And I hope my photography goes a little way to to doing that.
2: All right. Yeah. That's, uh, Matt,
1: I I mean, when you went through those questions, uh, that's sort of the approach that I take. And what I um, would encourage people, you know, listening uh, or whatever it may be to how people should approach photography, right? Because there's a story, whether the story is with the subject or the photographer. And I find it fun and interesting to look at a picture and use my imagination to either uncover what I think may have happened or the caption or whatever it may be. But that's part of it, right? Like uh, taking your own, seeing someone's photograph and then, and then imagining or, or, um, you know, contemplating your own perception of it, I guess, is 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 that, is
5: and, that and that's that all. I mean, that's all photography is really. Uh, you know, before you go into that that journalistic side of it, um, you know, we're we're trying to to portray a perception or or beat a perception down or to leave a perception up to the viewer. Um, you know, if you really to take the artistic approach, that's what art is, right? You put yeah. something in front of someone and go, well, how do you interpret this? So, you know, there are many different nuances uh, amongst there. Um, And, uh, yeah, it's a privilege to be on on here with with these other three who do it way better than I do. But um, I think we can take ourselves a little bit too seriously, but I think there is definitely, um, you know, some kind of um, credence in, in having a message, having a story, having a reason to actually take that photo. And if it's to help, that subject or that population or to help people who are watching it understand better what that population is about and be educated as to what else is out there that is not inside their own bubble that they're living in then fantastic job done
0: yeah we talked about this as being a travel photography blueprint and we got into some of the logistics but i think maybe the first step is really having a something that you are passionate about that you want to photograph and that you want to share with other people is probably first and foremost. And mm. Nicola, I think you're, I hadn't thought about this. And when you responded to the question, it made me think about photographs and that. I think we talked about this with Trevor when he was on uh, photographs, capture a specific moment in time. And that is it. And that moment is indelible. But as time passes, The message, the perception, you know, you look at that photo a year from now, it'll mean something a little bit different. You look at it 40 years from now, it'll mean something very different to you. And I hadn't, you know, considered that as part of photography until this conversation.
3: Yeah, I mean the the as the time goes by, especially like the Trevor was saying, like uh, you know, like the, the Africa tribes and all that will will disappear. I, I I documented personally what is happening in my neighborhood, Komodo Islands, where when I got there in the beginning there was like maybe four or five votes. now there is five hundred. Mm-hmm. Uh, so um, the growth uh, uh, here is is just uh, is unbelievable, you know. So so it also also I mean. But to go back, it also comes down really to uh, to governments, you know, local governments, because that that is uh, kind of like almost always a root of a of a problem a little bit, you know, because, I mean, the greed <laughs> takes over everywhere. So, uh, you know, like, uh, you know, we'll see what what happens with the world, really. Sure.
4: You know, I've often thought, even with this COVID situation in the OMO, was a, a scary thought because their hospitals are you know what 8 hours from village to village or or further and i know if somebody were to to start the virus there it could wipe out the entire the whole mm-hmm. omo valley yeah. so it could yeah. change that in, in a heartbeat and uh yeah it's it's i think it's nice to have some documentation of of the of the the situation even an ongoing documentation just to see the change. Climate change is another one. I mean, those kinds of things you can document and and see the differences. So yeah, I yeah. think photography That's can be very helpful.
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah.
6: It's a very very interesting point. That I mean, I'm I'm going to say to anyone going on any of my photo tours that they, they must be double vaccinated. Um, but also, having just had an Ethiopian experience. As far as I could see, as far as I could find out, COVID has not hit their tribes at all. And whether it's genetic, the fact that they live outside, whether it's the fact that there's no obesity, whether it's um, the fact that their diet is largely organic, I mean, I'm convinced there is a correlation between All of those but that that's for another show
1: (laughs) (laughs) yeah and and we could do this again yeah so um i want to thank all of you not only for coming on the show today but just for for the work that you do for providing uh for documenting for people like elliot and myself who don't get to go to these places so um I do. I, I want to say that we, we enjoy your work and and thank you for doing it. Um, if you're listening to this show, you can get links to everybody's work in the show notes of this podcast and uh, where we post it on all of our social media platforms. Uh, thank you for tuning in, and, uh, and and that's it.
2: We appreciate your time. Thank you. Thank you.
3: Thank you. Thank you.